Attention, please. Places for top of show. Places for top of show. Hello, and welcome to Twins Talk Theater. We are Cindy and Stacy, and we're talking about theater, backstage life, and all the excitement that the audience doesn't get to see. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's podcast. This week, we have an old friend back who we've had before, Jacob Lockheim with Silver Glass Productions. And this time, he's with Gavin Barba. We are talking about a new project that they worked on that came out uh, only a week or two ago called City Sounds, New York City during the pandemic. And it was all done and recorded and put out online. Uh, I don't think any live audience members. Uh, I've had a chance to... Uh, watch it so I have a lot of questions if you guys haven't had a chance we will definitely post the link so you can watch it and then listen to the podcast so we're not I mean it's not we're not probably ruining things for you but you might understand the podcast a little better so welcome to the podcast hi there okay so I guess the first main question is pandemic hits everyone's locked down theaters are closing right and left when did you guys decide to figure out a way to do it all recorded and online because we're used to doing things live so who came up with the idea and how did it kind of grow from live theater movement to a recorded soundscape of new york city um so our artistic director suzanne uh willett um uh we were we were already um, kind of tracking towards our, our annual summer production of a, a piece called Quantum Debt that was in development and being being made um, and pandemic hit. So we kind of, she sent out a, a bunch of uh, messages to us all in the collective and uh, was uh, saying, you know, we can't do this thing. So what can we do? And we started having... Uh, chats and conversations and eventual like Zoom meetings. Yeah, it was definitely fortunate that we had all been preparing. We had geared to do a different project. We had done, I think, our second development session when the first tentative news of cases started happening in New York and the United States in general. And then we sort of, yeah, as Jacob said, uh, retooled with Zoom calls and Zoom meetings towards how do we make something in this time under these conditions and how do you translate the work we we were doing and have done towards a work to be done now? So you guys switched over pretty fast. You didn't have like two months of everyone just kind of roaming around their bedrooms being lost. <laughs> or did you? Because I know I roamed around my house for a while doing nothing, being like, I maybe this lasts till tomorrow. Maybe this lasts for the rest of the year. Who knows? What was the total? I think the total length of the development for this piece was a little over a month, uh, maybe closer to a month and a half from the first time we met and started deciding on, okay, what is what is life like during this pandemic? What are the things that we notice? And it really started as this these proposals, you know, what has changed in the city that you're noticing and we and it really began with this idea of city sounds and this how you know, New York, which is normally this overwhelming place of, of burdensome sound, uh, became kind of silent uh, inside of that. Huh. 
Now, I Cindy lives in New York, but out in Brooklyn, and I live in California, so I didn't notice, I noticed less cars on the freeway, but I didn't really notice, like, a huge difference in noise, but I guess, yeah, you guys live a lot closer to a lot more constant noise. <laughs> yeah, the soundscape was definitely, especially in the early days, the uh, initial lockdown, so to speak, uh, there was just a complete change in atmosphere. You go outside, just sort of an eerie silence. The subways were running at different times. You know, originally there was, you know, the peak of ambulances and such. There was that. And then there's also the, you know, the haulers, the 7 p.m. Uh, in respect of uh, nurses, medical staff, essential workers and all. So there was really, um, it's almost bizarre to think to a time before that now because of uh, the duration so far. But it was something massive. And we agreed as a group that, kind of the soundscape would be a great way to pick a theme in which to work about now, which is kind of, it was a big thing, a big ask to be, what is now? What are we going to work on concretely? Yeah, especially not knowing how long now was. Because when it first started, we were like, ah, oh, we move again in like three months. And now, like four months in, we're like, yeah, not for a while. I yeah, like I you mentioned the ambulance, though. Uh, I have a lot of friends who live on the Upper West Side that said it was such a huge thing. And what's interesting is we're in the southern part of Brooklyn, and we didn't really notice a big difference in our neighborhood. And there are two hospitals close by, but I think they're not, I guess they're not close enough for us to hear the ambulances, but we didn't, um, we didn't have that overwhelming effect like people did, especially on the Upper West Side, where they said it was pretty constant. And same with the seven o'clock clapping we never had in my part of Brooklyn and so I would watch videos of people like what three miles away from me and I'd be like wow that's crazy so it was a completely different atmosphere the few times that I like drove downtown or you know the other day even a week and a half ago I drove into Midtown so I had to go pick up something from the Upper East Side and even then it was kind of weird I'm like there's so few people out and it's you know the middle of the summer driving through you know West Side Highway and it was kind of crazy. I I was living uh, in Hell's Kitchen, so Midtown West, and uh, from the from the day before the lockdowns began to the day after, I mean, the, the, the change in the city was massive. I mean, it's one of the most crowded areas, tons of restaurants, loads of people getting, you know, here and there, cars, there was construction going on outside of my apartment constantly for two years, and then nothing. So it was it was a huge, a huge shift. And it was it was it was really uh, poignant. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah, it's interesting to think how, I mean, you guys are all technically in New York City, and even you guys have it very different than each other. <laughs> uh, so you guys decide you want to do something with the soundscape. And from what I remember and know about you guys, you do a lot of sound is involved, but you do a lot of movement and science infused things. So how did you, how did you fuse movement and sound and science into now technology of that's a very big question. <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Okay, let's start with a smaller piece. The the 
you didn't do a complete like one plot story. It's different scenes that I think create a 27 minute piece. How did you decide what the individual scenes were and does it tell an overall story for you? I think briefly how we came to divide the work and create the pieces of this anthology style piece uh, was thinking about what sounds as a group had changed the most, what we had grasped onto, what was the biggest change and what was something, even if it wasn't necessarily a change like that you grasped onto in this moment. So for instance, uh, I proposed for me, it was hearing birdsong uh, was so much more clear without mm -hmm. the background, without the standard sounds of New York kind of adding to it to make the whole orchestra. It was really just like one instrument. Um, whereas the other things that were chosen, such as the seven o'clock, the hollerings, the bangs, and uh, the sounds of ambulances and emergency vehicles, or the silence was uh, is a difficult sound, but is a sound also. Kind of putting them together, I think, and as a group, I feel like we came to was to try to create almost like the course of a day, the course of a soundscape in this new New York, quote unquote, of the present day. If that if that goes anywhere near answer, I think I was thinking about the big question, and then yes. I, got, I was aiming too high. No, 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 it's all good because when. When the link was sent to us, and I thought maybe it was just me, but Cindy said the same thing. It started both of us uh, on yours, on the bird song. Yeah. And so I watched it from the bird song to the end, and I was like, that's weird. I feel like I'm missing, like I thought it was longer than this. And so then I looked at it, and I had to move it backwards and then start at the beginning. So I watched like halfway through to the end and then the beginning to halfway through. So I, I don't know if there was an overall story because it took me a while to figure out that I wasn't at the beginning. But you did yeah. say it felt like something was missing to start from the middle, which I think is super interesting. Yeah, because it just kind of started. There was no like introduction <laughs> or anything. That's hilarious. I mean, if anything, <laughs> if any, so this, this whole uh, process was really a big learning curve. Even to this very moment, we're trying to share you know, now the end result with people can have different results than we're hoping for. Yeah. And just trying to get on. So, so going from, you know, we're in, we're not a traditional theater company, but we do perform live in theatrical spaces, in settings that audiences understand how to, how to, how to, you know, meet that and moving to a technological uh, framework, which is where I think we, we kind of, get our science element in is how do we, you know, present live theater through the technologies that we have through Zoom, through things like Google Hangout and all these new apparatus, um, um, apparatuses and, and the, and just the computer as the, as the fourth wall, in a sense, how do we deal with that? Um, going back to the, the, how we made it, normally we would all kind of get into a room together and, and you know, move or viewpoint and and figure out what something was and kind of the way we handled it was dividing city sounds into these different categories that we all talked about, like Gavin said, and then sort of dividing and conquering um, because it just was pretty obvious that we weren't going to be able to have enough 
you know, five to eight people on a Zoom call every other day and make that and do something with it. I mean, it might maybe as we get better with it, maybe. But so we wound up splitting into groups and kind of the people who were in those groups wound up developing the pieces that you saw. Um, just super technical of how we did it. <laughs> and, no, that was, and then there were yeah. other groups of us, Gavin and I and Suzanne working on like, okay, how do we make Zoom do what we want it to do? Will it even do what we want to do? There was a, a portion where we were trying to figure out, okay, if we cast Zoom to Facebook Live and invite people to Facebook to watch the show, that way they're not in the Zoom chat they're in a different space and then you mm-hmm. know, we decided to keep it all on zoom and then it just record it. You know, there's, there's was a lot of, a lot of things that we, we had to learn and, and it, it was, it was a lot of fun. So it's, and it, this may become the new normal for a really long time. You know, theaters in New York aren't going to open until at least January. Um, yeah. if not later. So, uh, this has been a, a fun exercise to figure out. Any any ads? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was, yeah, super thankful that it was, uh, we were very open-minded to hitting the road as quickly and as hard as we did in this new Zoom, uh, <laughs> the yeah. fake room of Zoom. Yeah, it's like, because usually we would kind of work together and there's such a different energy when you're in a room with people moving around and things become apparent. Whereas here, it's very much, you know, we're all uh, thumbnails and it's kind of like, how do you come to like a consensus or like an emotional, like a felt, uh, it's new tools and new muscles to like flex out, I guess. I just finished a, uh, a webinar that I'm doing with um, Bel- uh, Teatro Nuovo, which is Belcanto, and there are a lot of um, instrumentalists and singers. And the discussion that we just had, which reminded me of this is, we're trying to teach them to breathe with the music, to live with the music. And a lot of them now, because of Zoom, you know, are doing click tracks or metronomes so that they can line it up with the person on the other end, you know. And it was this huge discussion because it's so different than how we're taught to live as artists. And like you just said, you're used to being in a room with them. And I'm sure, you know, with, with viewpoints, you guys are used to like breathing together and, and together. And so it's very different to not do that on zoom because you can't really you can't breathe with somebody else on zoom or at least we haven't quite practiced it enough to be able to to breathe with somebody on the other end so what was the well I mean you just kind of said it but what was kind of that learning process did you think it was easier as it went through like did you kind of learn how to blend with those people better as you were working on the project over zoom there, there were attempts. So, so, some, so, one thing that we kind of came to was that we were decided, you know, oh, should we just record these things and then, you know, play it, basically, mm-hmm. just make videos, or <clears throat> which some of the piece is, which is great, and like, and there's a lot of, there was a lot of. Um, positive reactions from the fully recorded videos of things but some of it um we wound up committing to pretty strong trying to maintain as much live interaction 
during the the performance. Um, so certain pieces, um, including the um, the rainy Lexington Avenue piece, um, I was narrating live or the 7 p.m. hauler. There was a, a live narrator watching the performer and narrating through Zoom from a, a microphone on the other side. And so that was all attempting to, I think, get what you're at. You're saying is breathing together, um, uh, which was difficult. And, you know, I think occasionally we worried that, oh, if someone Zoom goes out, then how are we going to tackle that? And but it's the same as in the theater where if, you know, a performer breaks a leg or something, they can't go on. Right. So you have to figure out what you're <laughs> going to do at the, in the, at the end of it. So there was a lot, it was fun kind of figuring out here's some live, here's some recorded. We're kind of putting these things together and seeing what comes out on the other side. The Lexington one, was that the guy with the shadows? Yep. Interesting. So that, because I'm watching it all as a recorded piece, I just assumed everything was recorded and then kind of cut together. Nope. Huh, Some of that cool. was all done uh, together. And Gavin had a piece that was, was speaking live during uh, the silence piece, if you want to talk about that at all, Gavin. Sure, yeah. There was uh, the two major pieces of pre-recorded content were uh, The Birds, which is the puppet uh, material, and Silence, which was had the outdoor film segment that then transitioned to a Zoom call or to a live Zoom performance. And uh, there was originally going to be two actors in that segment who were both physically present. And then in the end, uh, the second actor ended up being me from across town through the Zoom connection. So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, low, the baritone voice in that scene is not present, is but me, a ghost. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of, like, negotiating these different terms and, like, especially silence uh, with that piece. Uh, Stephanie, one of our collaborators, and I were working with, like, you know, different media changes, uh, using Zoom on multiple objects, multiple devices, uh, like, entering her, she entered her apartment, and there was, like, a lot of moving pieces and technical abilities and things that like, I was super afraid of at the beginning. I was super conservative in how many technical pieces we wanted to use live, but I was really, the result I thought was very interesting. It was a new, uh, trying to find the intimacy of like liveness in quotation marks. Yeah, I thought that one was interesting because it's, it kind of reminded me like when someone butt dials you and you don't really know what they're doing and, but you can hear it. But I was like watching, like she forgot to hang up the phone and like watching walk through the city streets and upstairs and all that. And I was like, it's so interesting to like drop into someone's life and look at something that it seems like maybe I shouldn't be watching. And just like her daily life. I, yeah, I don't know if that was the point, but that that's what I felt like. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the, yeah, the feel, the, the, the felt experience of that one is very, yeah very deeply intimate of just like going through the, the course of somebody's steps in the city. Yeah. Huh. Uh, my favorite piece, and I, I've only watched it once, and sorry, I don't think it's either one of your pieces, was the very first piece. And to me, it was halfway through me watching it. <laughs> but the two girls and their very different interactions with each other, uh, one of them, it was kind of like life hadn't 
really changed for her a ton. She was still like, I mean, she took like three baths that day, but like was still putting on her makeup and jumping and talking like nonstop and jumping between Zoom calls. And then the other girl was just kind of like, I don't know what's going on in life. Uh, and I thought that was very like emotional and present to like what everybody yeah, is going through. Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, life's good, life's fine. I'm still going to the grocery store, I'm still cooking. And then other days I'm like, my entire world of theater is now basically on hold and we don't know when it's gonna start. What am I doing with my life? Uh, how did that one come around? Was it just people realizing this is how all of their interactions were working and kind of created that story? Um, so, uh, the two performers, uh, in that, um, were Jen and Hannah and, uh, they basically wrote and performed that, that, that piece completely themselves. And we would, you know, meet about once a week as a, as a collective and, you know, uh, give notes or suggestions or whatever, but they really, um, developed that piece entirely, um, and they did a wonderful job. It's one of my favorite pieces uh, uh, in the uh, in the half hour, and it's a interesting place to start too because yes. you're already kind of in all the pieces are of their own world in a strange way, and you're starting in this world where these two people who are trying to communicate are clearly in a very different mental obviously physical space um with each other and how that communication and miscommunication while experiencing the same you know tragic uh events going on uh it's it is really they did a wonderful job and i i agree it's it's really good yeah and a fun fact oh pardon me no no i was just gonna say yeah i felt the same way it was just like you're not paying any attention to what she's saying, are you? <laughs> You're putting on makeup. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, what are you going to say, Gavin? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, and a fun fact is the two of them had never met prior to in person True. before uh, these events. They'd only met over Zoom. The collaboration was done. Uh, yeah, completely. This was the for their first encounter with each other was to create this piece, which is which adds to the whole. Uh, yeah, the wonder of the thing. Yeah, that's true. Jen was in the first piece that we created um, now almost three years ago. And Hannah was in the, the second was in life. Um, and yeah, that's, I completely forgot about that. They had not been in a piece together before that, which is they also met, awesome. They may, may never have been in the same room before right. uh, being in that Zoom room. <laughs> So how, how did they get paired up together? It's not like they were friends and had this idea and presented it to you. How did you guys go about that process? So from the beginning, there was um, the group who had been in development actively for the piece that uh, Quantum Debt that was going to take place uh, in what would have been very soon uh, and now is uh, projected into the past the horizon. Uh, but. So there was a group of people who were already actively working on the development sessions there. And then Jen was brought in a little bit later because of the uh, understandable difficulty of communication in those early bits, tons of emails, a lot of things going on and changing so rapidly. So there was a, a brief period where we we're all getting together, seeing who could do it, wanted to do it, was in a space to do it. So there was a brief period where uh, both Hannah and Jen uh, 
basically, uh, we're, we're going to do the piece, going to do a piece, and the way that things kind of fell, it made the most sense for them to work together, which was a big gambit, but it really did uh, pay off beautifully, especially for something that opens the show. Mm-hmm. The piece. That's... I love those little facts because we would never have known that just watching the piece. It looked like they were old friends that were trying to bond over something and it wasn't quite working. What was the rehearsal process like? I know you said over Zoom, but like how long for each of the pieces? Did you guys all get together and like watch each other rehearse or did everyone kind of do their own thing and then you came together for like a, a run through of the piece? I think each piece took slightly different amount of time, but we, in general, I think, set a guideline of about eight hours of rehearsal for each piece. But the way that worked was really the people who were directly involved. And then later on, when we had our stage manager come in, she got in on some of the rehearsal time as well. Um, which we did have. We had a stage manager. So which I didn't was, see in the background. Yeah, but, um, in, in the credits, I saw a stage manager, and I was going to bring that up. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> um, but so we, so you, in general, I would say we were in teams of two, and so those two people basically developed a piece, and then would work as much as they needed or had time allocated, and then we met in total about once a week um, to like kind of see the progress of where everyone was at and how it was going and to just, you know, give notes or feedback or whatever. Mm -hmm. What does a stage manager do when there's not lights and sounds and all of that? Were there still rehearsal reports, performance reports? Like, obviously you can't clock in. Does she write a note like, Cindy clocked in five minutes late to Zoom? (laughs) (laughs) So the way that uh, the work was allocated was the stage manager de facto became the basic, uh, the Zoom point person, basically, for all the technical aspects, all the digital, basically, because it could just be basically an entire tech department in some ways. Like everyone would come with what they had done, what they had designed, and it was handed off around the midpoint of the process. Uh, And then... Obviously, there was a lot of work to be done to navigate all that so that it was doable for uh, Sam, our stage manager. We did a fantastic job uh, holding it all together because Zoom is not necessarily built for this, but we uh, taught it to do what we wanted by the end, uh, which is really nice. Um, <laughs> Good job, Joy. So yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, it's uh, you know the stage manager does shoulder a great deal of the load normally, but under these circumstances, uh, they basically uh, she held. She basically was the only reason any of us could be seen in the way that we were seen uh, was how we had divvied up the work. That's amazing. It had discussion in the um, stage manager world about how this is working because, you know, technically, not technically, depending on where you are, you know, you get paid extra if you're asked to like run the light board or run the soundboard, you know, and it's not really in stage management's responsibility but almost everybody currently who's doing these Zoom meetings or whatever, it, it is falling on the stage manager, you know? And so it's this whole discussion on like, are we changing what stage managers does? Should it really be a stage manager? Should it be a separate technician? Like what's now being expected of stage managers that's like, you know, nothing we've ever done before. But it's nothing anybody's ever done before, you know? So it just, everybody seems to be like, well, stage managers are the most organized. They can take care of this stuff. 
but it's cool because everyone I know that's how it's been working, you know, and, and it's working well for people. So. Yeah. It's also really particular to, I think, deciding to do it in a live call mm. as opposed to just filming a thing and sending it to an editor who's going to, you know, put it all together. Right. So when, 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 you know, Sam is double checking that certain people's mics are off, certain people's videos are turned off or don't get turned on, um, you know, that, that is really helpful. Um, and yeah. you, you kind of need that little bit of backup um, when you're doing, when you're doing this kind of work. As a purely technical question, did you guys, Stacey, I'll let you ask your question in a minute. It's did probably you, the sum you're asking. Zoom meeting or Zoom webinar? Ah, yes, the great webinar meeting uh, <laughs> debate. In the end, we ended up using the webinar, but it was a great a great deal of thought and meeting time was allocated to the decision and yeah. uh, and whether or not it was going to be available and what the pluses and minuses were, especially with regards to the features such as chat, video allowance, and ability to be muted, unmuted, and scheduling right. as well. That's the advantage of webinars, right? Is that like the host can turn and turn people on and off, where I think it, that, that's not necessarily the case in... Uh, meetings now you can ask your question please. that that was it i i've only <laughs> used zoom meetings i didn't know anything about webinar until cindy was talking about it uh so what are for the people like me who don't know what are the pros and cons to either one of them like why did you decide to go with <laughs> webinar uh in effect the webinar is is more catered for as it is just as I guess it's in the name, like a seminar type setting. So you have a select group of people who are given full privileges to use the uh, video and video sharing and can be seen and heard, while the majority of people are as viewers only who are not able to turn on their cameras or microphones. Uh, and you also have a greater amount of control over, over the chat features and over other certain features. And I believe the size of your meetings can be larger than is supported on the meeting function. The pros for the meeting, on the other hand, was uh, the possibility for interaction and using the space more as a level playing field rather than a seminar. Um, but for our purposes, uh, we sort of held it together so that it was more of a presentation uh, where the viewers didn't have as much um, ability to express themselves during the show. Yeah, I think we, we wanted to kind of dip our toes into the the user interaction abilities um, and like just make sure that we could present before saying like, okay, let's have this, you know, online free for all kind of thing. Like opening a can of worms. <laughs> so for the live, for the actual presentation, you guys had a time and a date and people signed up to watch. And some of the stuff was recorded and some of the stuff was live. How was that all mixed together seamlessly? Was that part of the stage manager's job and to hit play on this recording she had and sharing the screen and then telling people they're up next? I love stage manager. In, in effect, that was what happened. So uh, our stage manager, Sam, she had access to all of the pre-recorded materials. And so it was through her account that they were presented through the share screen function or other uh, 
mostly through the share screen function. So say uh, my, the piece, the birds, that was completely pre-recorded. That was completely on her to play. Uh, she had the file centralized with her. She hit play and then would pass off the video to the next performer who needs their live, their stream to be presented live. But all of you, all of you there, like, yep. even if you're pre-recorded, you're all like there in the meeting or in, in the presentation. That's awesome. Yeah, the way that it worked out, nobody, uh, Nobody simply had a pre-recorded thing and no live bits. Like even me, whose piece was completely pre-recorded, I ended up being a voice actor as uh, mentioned previously. Yeah, so. that's cool. Yeah, and we were in general because because of the amount of transitioning from sharing screen work that that Sam had to do. You know, we as actors were in still in charge of uh, our entrances and exits, as it were. Right. So we were in charge of turning our cameras off and turning them on and muting and unmuting ourselves, except in some very specific circumstances where it didn't quite serve the scene. In general, we were uh, trying to make it so that Sam, in a lot of cases, could turn people's cameras off um, without them having to do the awkward, like, look down, where's my buttons kind right. of thing. Right, we're really close <laughs> to it and yeah. Yeah. But we had to be actors, you know, we had to decide, oh, here's where I go in. I think I even sadly on the on the recording have a have a missed entrance, which is a little bit of a goof up for, for Gavin's otherwise perfect uh, birds video. So but that's live, but it's live theater. So it's kind of funny, though. <laughs> that's yeah, I guess that's what happened. How'd you that's do with all the other technical aspects? Like, did you guys have a like a lighting session where you kind of figured out like where the best position of your lamp was or time of day that you guys were doing it? We did do a tech as close to the time of day that was happening. We had a couple of techs and we did them as close to the time of day that we were going to be doing the show. So that people who did have lighting, we knew that was going to be consistent. Um, in general, if uh, there was lighting in a room, I think, you know, the people who were on that project basically figured it out and I think there were very few occasions where in the big groups we said like oh you're not lit enough or something like that I think it was all pretty well figured figured out just by happenstance but good note we'll think about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah because like the people walking around outside it would be very different when she's walking outside in the middle of the day or at night but then the one with the shadows is very much a controlled element so it doesn't really matter what time of day that was but like even right now i'm glowing pretty nicely cindy's looking a little bit dark the other day i had this bright sun behind me for a couple minutes it just we don't have techies around to to move the things and so <laughs> wondering how some of that works how was the like right now we're not on zoom i know everyone talks about zoom we're on google hangouts and sometimes when people talk over each other or a bad connection it'll skip some did you guys have many issues with that during the live performance or did that kind of all everyone's internet was pretty nice and it kind of ran smoothly I think we were very fortunate that we didn't have any errors the night of the performance, but over the course of the production, there were many uh, instances of trying to figure it out, especially as you said, the, the audio levels and them cutting out each other and how Zoom equalizes or tries to get rid of sound, quote unquote, sometimes gets rid of voices, which is 
a fun feature. Um, <laughs> but there were a lot of settings that we found, uh, particularly with like how the noise canceling is, there's a bit of leeway you have to change that. So you can optimize that in a little way. And by the end, I think the people who had issues were able to resolve them, which is really nice. Yeah, because on my end, it looked great when I watched it, but I watched it recorded, so I didn't know if you guys went back through and had to do any sound editing or change things around or... Nice, so it's just the way it was. Yeah, that's, that's recorded directly from the stage manager's perspective, which basically, because her camera was never on, that was one of the things we had to figure out was, you know, how do cameras line up depending on when people go in and out? We got pretty lucky because we divided most things into you know, two screens at the most. So, so it became a little easier that way, but because you're, um, I, I think we, we kind of sculpted the show a little bit to work around some of those difficulties by really only having kind of two people, uh, three people at most in a scene. We have one moment where everyone's kind of there, which is fun. And, but, but in general, it's, it's, I think we were able to work, around Zoom's technical limitations by, by just making our stories tight like that. That's perfect though. I mean, that's what you would do in any circumstance, I feel. <laughs> Mess with sound? Well, <laughs> no, I was picturing like, you know, because oh. I do in found spaces, you know, you just like work with what you have. Okay, our stage is only eight feet wide, but 50 feet long, like this is, we're just gonna have it you know so that's kind of like zoom you're like well this is zoom's capabilities this is how we're going to make the show yeah it's totally possible to to make live theater with just zoom um with just google hangouts and it's the same as as i think that's what's really cool about our decision to go live with it was was you know we are a theater company and how and and you know let's try to not treat this any different than a regular piece of theater which nowadays would have pre-recorded video in it in some instances <laughs> right. and and these right. different and depending on the subject matter so i i think it it came out as a really cool little little thing how did it work in the end um because when i saw it it had like the you know, the credits and stuff like that, which you guys probably played live, but you don't get the audience interaction of clapping or cheering or booing or the gasp when something happens. Uh, when you guys were done with the show, it was just quiet and you're staring at each other on the computer screen, right? Or did you get any feedback from the <laughs> audience, like a picture of their face laughing or anything? Uh, in the final product, we did... Uh... We had a solution that was not necessarily the most elegant, but it definitely did work, where we promoted everyone in the audience to presenters so that we could have a bit of a conversation afterwards, uh, which had to be done individually. Um, yeah. The, sta the yeah. stage manager did a great, uh, a great work, and yeah, it was very, it was very interesting to have this sort of new world of uh, just faces kind of staring back, bunches of living rooms, and there was <laughs> some people lounging on the lawn, and you're like, well, this is very odd, but. It was it was nice to have this like personal moment because as you said it was you know just the the absence of any response for the whole piece because you know you can't really clap like maybe they were if they were clapping unfortunately I wasn't there and I did not hear them. Um, 
and that affects how you how you make the piece. All the pieces seems uh, really seem to adapt to this uh, uh, this lack of response, uh, which is very much like film or video, I guess, to not have mm -hmm. the air in like live performance for the audience. Yeah, there's yeah. no holding for laughter or clapping or anything like that. It was like piece done, on to the next piece. And we also we also didn't allow the chat function for for this performance i think again wanting to just dip our toes in um i think going forward we do have some plans to allow audience to chat amongst themselves during the show so they can one we can see what they're reacting to live because we did a kind of a q a a little bit at the end which worked a little bit and then you know some people you know, we're very eager and other people were, uh, you know, just there to message. And so it was a lot of fun. Yeah, when I watched uh, live streams, because um, I always go back to the nerdy stuff, uh, I watch a live stream of a Dungeons and Dragons critical role. And in the beginning, see Twin, look, he appreciates it too. <laughs> you, he was muted too. Those guys make good pod. Those guys make good pod. They do. And they used to, when they first started, have the live chat. But 90% of the people were either questioning an action they did or arguing with each other. And so eventually, I think they stopped it because it was kind of distracting the performers trying to, I mean, act. They were, you know, playing D&D &D because people were arguing, being like, oh, well, in the rule book, it says that you can't roll that. And it's like, dude, but Matt said you can roll that. Uh so I kind of miss watching it, but they also were just like arguing with each other. And so I, I wonder how it would be in a live theater. Would it just be like me leaning over and saying something to my husband, except now I'm chatting it, but it's not really meant for you guys or how that would work because I'm no longer making noise with everyone glaring at me in a fully <laughs> seated theater. <laughs> it's uh, definitely a... Oh, pardon me. No, go, Christian. go. I want to <laughs> <laughs> Please, I mean, I'm I'm a hundred percent for the absolute chaos of the online chat room to be embraced <laughs> by the new theater, especially because it's a unique opportunity. Because we are also taught, however you're a theater going audience, you're taught to be quiet to kind of receive the piece, and it's very yeah. difficult to get interaction. But like as you said, like Critical Role or other like like Twitch streams, Twitch plays yep. Pokemon, the possibilities of uh, chat platforms to both interact with the like thing that you're watching, like with the production itself and with the other people who are also responding to that uh -huh. is like sort of an atmosphere that like, you know, they tell you like in history class, like in Shakespeare's time, people were yelling at each other and fighting during the play or whatever. Thank and you. this is the best we can, you know, this is a very interesting opportunity to open that door. Yeah, we have, uh, I I also agree with Gavin personally. Not everyone in the collective does, but I I am all about you know trying to break down in our regular theater a little bit those those uh, built up expectations of that fourth wall and like how we behave in the theater when some of these conventions are so new, uh, really maybe a hundred years old in some cases and. You know, I always love the example in the medieval theater of of where the 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 kind of the Looney Tunes joke comes from of of what's up, Doc. But it comes from like, is there a doctor in the house? Because, you know, the knight in the medieval play would get killed by the dragon and they'd call in the town doctor to heal 
the night so they could finish the play. You know, this <laughs> meta, and we think of meta theatricality as this new ish thing that people are experimenting with, but it's the way it just was in some cases and still is in a lot of other theater traditions too. Um, so I think this is a great opportunity for us to maybe question our nat our our built up instincts of this is how audience is supposed to be and this is how we're supposed to do theater. Especially now. Like who cares? It's it's all online. It's completely new. We can we can do what in some ways whatever we want. Yeah, you don't have to read what I'm typing. Just maybe somebody wants to read what I'm... There was a couple times I was like, oh, I wonder how they did that. And I could have typed, but I mean, I wasn't watching it live, but yeah. Oh, please was... keep typing. We'll take the comments. <laughs> <laughs> no, but then my question is, is it just interacting with other audience members or like as a performer, I wouldn't think you would want to like stop and look at the screen because then you're like not interacting with your partner, you know, you're like staring at the screen and trying to do a response, which I see happen in webinars all the time. You know, someone's giving a lecture, then all of a sudden they like pause in the middle of a sentence because a, a question pops, you know? So maybe it, it is more fun just to talk to other audience members. And then the performers go back afterwards and, you know. There was, there was a, in the, in the piece that I did, the odd apartment piece with um, our other collaborator, Broderick, who he was doing live Foley work during that. Oh, so, I was wondering so about that. He's the doing all in... these, yeah, he's doing all those sound effects. He was doing them live, kind of, and we were, again, trying to do that breathing together thing. But one of the, the thoughts that we had had at one point um, was I really wanted audience, the audience to maybe chat during that, like a kind of Tinkerbell clapping moment of like, Jacob, your camera's on. We can all see you. And like trying to get his attention huh. without... You know, because the whole thing is he doesn't know his camera's on and, and you know, he's got his, he's just down to his underpants and all these crazy things are happening. I thought it'd be a fun, that would be a really fun one where you yeah. could have the audience, you know, trying to be like, ah, ha, 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 look, what's he doing now? What's that raccoon? What? I don't know what that means. And then they could talk, you know, so like, yeah. you, you know, but, but so maybe next time. And, and I, I don't know, it's, a, it's another challenge to to have to deal with is is now adding an audience component and how do you master that that skill i think mm -hmm. is is what we're always trying to do yeah that one was another one of my favorites because how many times have you been on a zoom call and the kid runs by my dog barks through half of everything you know somebody walks in i'm waving at the people in the office like and you're on the call or you know uh, we were waiting for this one to start, and it's like, hey, your mic's on mute. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought it was very, very much, you know, what's happening in today. And the guy says, turn off, you know, turn off your microphones and your cameras. And you thought you did, and you went and you're dancing around. And I was like, oh, that's so true and perfect on exactly what's going on right now. Did it make you question, like, is this really part of the piece, or did we just leave it in there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was waiting for someone to say, you left your camera on, and it happened in the end, because so many times it's like, oh, you did that. <laughs> we're very all much, doing it. Very much representation of what we're doing right now. So true. <laughs> Plus, it was interesting to see other people's houses. <laughs> Because it wasn't a set design. That's just like probably how your kitchen looks. That was my kitchen. That is how it was. Yeah. Just like that. Ugh. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it was interesting just like jumping into somebody else's life. Very yeah. cool.
But at the same time, I know lots of people, I mean, I did it a little bit, like rearrange their apartments or rearrange their housing situation up Zoom. Like uh, somebody at uh, Orchestra St. Luke's, who we do weekly um, Zoom calls with all of the big donors or whatever. And he said he's rearranged so that he now has like his planter or something with like a, a flowers here and a specific painting here. You know, he was like, I've rearranged my living room to like make it look like this like professional little little area, you know? And so people are, it, it's interesting to me that people are literally rearranging their living locations to make it however they want to make it look. The first thing I said to Stacey when she signed on, nobody else can, you know, see besides us, is she has this like really cool brick behind her, you know? <laughs> and it's, right. it's the conference room of my office. Like I, I left my desk and I walked 20 feet and I'm sitting in the conference room. That's what the wall looks out. like. Yeah, it's I not bad design. <laughs> you totally you know change it up so it wouldn't surprise me if you didn't like stage your your uh, kitchen so that it looks you know something that you want to present to the rest of the world did Absolutely anyone not. did anyone do that because we've been we were in like the first episode or first clip you're in two people's bedrooms and we walked through a house at some point and we're in your kitchen and were any of those rearranged and set for what they were trying to present or was it just the way it happened to be? I think for the, the majority of times it was really no great adjustments were made. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there were changes between uh, iterations, of course, like where, which room are you going to perform in, which like lighting setup is the best, but like there weren't any major rearrangements. You're really getting this sort of interesting use of your own private space as a stage is very, uh, yeah, it's um, unadulterated uh, living spaces, I suppose. Yeah, it's yeah, very think, intimate. Yeah. It yeah. was part of the part of the piece to do that. We wanted to show how people were really, hopefully, hopefully that people were really reacting to this change in the city, and it kind of made sense for a lot of us just to use the spaces we were reacting in. So. I kind of want to go back, well, I will, I think, go back and rewatch those specific ones. Cause I know for me, it's, you know, picking up all the clothes on the floor or like moving all of my, my coffee containers out of the way so that it looks good. You know, like if I were, were to do a live recording or when I do live recordings, you know, I, I do kind of like clean up the clutter so that it doesn't look so bad, especially when I'm sitting home all the time. Do you guys have plans to do yeah. another one? Start another one since we don't know how long we're going to be stuck in our apartments. Uh, or, I mean, I know you guys just finished this one. Are you taking a break for a couple of weeks and then going to see what happens? We, we, um, we are, uh, I think, hoping to do another piece. Uh, and I think we're already starting to talk about what that could be. Um, uh, we still have plans to go back and do... Um, Oh my goodness, Gavin! What was the one we were doing before this? <laughs> Quantum, Quantum Dead. Dead. Uh, Quantum Dead. I was like, I wrote it down somewhere in my notes. <laughs> but before, but before we are able to get back to that, um, yeah, I think we're hoping to to execute another another piece um, in the live Zoom space. <laughs> Take what you've what you learned and move forward. That you would like to do the, the chat option. Is there anything else that you learned through this that you're like, this would be really cool if we did it differently or if we added something next time? I think there's an infinite amount of things that we learned about Zoom that could be <laughs> used for 
whatever you'd like to do. I mean, we really, we really, there were a lot of uh, tentatives and like tries at various things. I mean, my personal pet project was the virtual background feature of Zoom, mm. which depending on your hardware is like just oodles of fun. Like if you can get like, I used a post-it note to do, um, you can just have like a portable green screen and you can move that around. The possibilities of that were like, Luma, I've, I have yet to figure out what those possibilities are for, but like, you know, possible. But they're there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you reminded me, yeah. there was the, uh, the one piece in the first half, but it was, it must have been a pre-recorded. I'm not sure how you did it, but like people were on moving on top of, it was like a projection uh, on a person and uh, what this was, was this about? was in this was in your first half, but is actually the final piece. <laughs> oh, okay. It, I think you're talking about the 7 p.m. hauler. Yes. Where Juliana was was using a virtual background. She was wearing a shirt that was a very similar to her skin tone, and she was projecting an image of That's herself happened. onto her. Not to give away all the secrets, I guess. Uh, but but so there's kind of a her. It's beautiful. There's a her inside of her kind of looking out, uh, you know, over ideally the city and the and the holler. And they're talking about uh, that. That speech, which was written by Suzanne, um, uh, was um, a kind of in reflection on all these people going out to their windows and cheering mm -hmm. for, you know, the healthcare workers and and the incredible unbelievable job that they uh were and still are doing uh at that time so none of that is projected or gone back afterwards with an editing it was all that is so that cool i figured that was all like post-production stuff she recorded no, yeah go you, you know how they did it more yeah uh they basically performed uh juliana performed a whole piece in, I believe originally it was the same room that she was performing live and used that video just project and uh, using the in-house Zoom green screen function, virtual background, projected that, as Jacob said, onto the shirt and her skin. And yeah, the effect is was all live and you can see at certain moments where the light catches it different. And it's really great mm -hmm. when it kind of wobbles a little because you can see that it's happening right in front of you in as much as anything on Zoom is happening right in front of you. Yeah, you can see the outline. And so I was like, well, I think it's a green screen, but I'm not sure how they're doing all of that. That was really cool. Oh, the many technical elements you can do with this. I love that you said to give it all away, but that's kind of what I love about technical theater and backstage theater. Like I sometimes feel like I appreciate the production more once I know how they did it. Because then the next time I watch it, I go in and I'm like, oh yeah, that's what's going on. You know, like once you see how a quick change happens backstage and it's even more exciting to see because you know all the work that just went into it. So I think for me, this is the same thing. Like you think it's cool, but now you go back and rewatch the entire thing and you're like, yeah, ah, exactly yeah, what I'm going to do. Yeah. Even little things like um, in the odd apartment um, we did, did you guys, you guys wound up using virtual backgrounds for the, um, for the cue cards basically. So we had, you know, my screen and then intermittent other screens with Gavin and I think our collaborator, Stephanie, um, popping in and out to do the little reaction cue cards. And that was all via the virtual background, just holding it here so that they were out of frame. And so 
you had to figure, you know, we figured out how do you make a silent film in this too? Like, you know, yeah, yeah that one too, I thought was uh post. It's so cool that none of this was done in post editing stuff. No, all live as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. As much as possible, but still I'm, cause I'm used to, you know, the TV and movies and post editing takes a long time. And so it's cool that this, that was all, yeah, you guys holding up like printed out pieces of paper with words on it. That was excellent. <laughs> uh, we are getting awesome. towards the hour. So is there anything else you guys want to tell us about this production or the company or ideas for the future? Anything you want the listeners to know? I mean, we will be tagging both of you and uh, Silverglass Productions and a link to it so that people can definitely go watch, hopefully before or after, or both. Like I'm going to go watch after lunch now. <laughs> Thanks for the views. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. It is kind of funny that now it's a it's a live. You know, we've recorded other productions as well that were live theaters, but I think because of the nature of it being presented in this in this Zoom and the and the the conference call, like it it translates really well to a recording, um, and it's it, we got very fortunate with that. Um, I don't know, Gavin, is there anything else that we want to reveal? Yeah. <laughs> what to reveal? <laughs> I mean, my, my biggest thing is always the that's, that beautiful virtual backgrounds. But I think uh, the use of Zoom and other, like particularly Zoom as like a tool is only just starting to be done. Like we only really started this work. And I think the key thing for me, especially early in this process, was to understand, like, I guess to just say that like, there's no use hiding that it's Zoom. Like this isn't. Uh, we can't do live feed. We can't do live feeder in a theater, the building, not the thing, over Zoom. It's really like we have a lot of things that we can use through Zoom that we never had before, and we won't have outside of Zoom. So I think the biggest thing is finding the boundaries of this new space. Is like super. You know, it's very rare that you have a totally new thing, um, a very unexplored art, I guess. Yeah. It's a good way to put it, finding the boundaries of this new space. Yeah, a new There's space no that, that everyone can go to. Yeah. Yeah. There's no the way to do everything that you did if it was live. You know, like, there's no, I mean, most people wouldn't have been able to afford, like, an entire projector for, like, one piece or, you know, Shadow Pup. It's not something that would have happened. And then with Zoom, you guys were able to make it happen, which is, like you said, who has had the privilege, nobody in our lifetime, to have something that's like so new and no real boundaries? Besides the internet. <laughs> yeah, but this is the yeah. first time that people are really like performing over it. Yeah, true. Yeah, it works, you know? Yeah, and it's a, I'd also think that there's a big tradition. I mean, tradition seems like the wrong word sometimes. People want to put these in different categories, but like how you were talking about critical role earlier. The, the role, what we can learn from services like Twitch and YouTube and things that have been doing live performance video material, which is different than theater, we can say, but mm -hmm. there are all these techniques that have been, you know, set forth over the last decade and a half, I guess, that are super valuable. And then before that, video art and things like that, like, these are, these are totally new movements that we're involved in, but there's also so much we can look back and take from and be thankful for. 
Yeah, more outside the nerd world. The nerds have been using Twitch and all that for years, but not everybody else is into that. I keep yeah, trying to get Twitch. Yeah, we need to do our next involved. one on Twitch. Yes. <laughs> you have a built-in audience already, I'm sure. <laughs> Twin, I'll update you on what Twitch is after the podcast. Okay, great. I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> this but, is like one episode, I think. So that was Adventure Zone. It wasn't even Critical Role. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I try as hard as I can to make her as nerdy as possible, but there's only so much I can do. <laughs> Listen, yeah, there's so many nerdy looking. vectors we can all go down. Let's oh, just all be nerds in our own way. If her camera was faced about 90 degrees to her left, you could see the Lego oh. uh, Star Destroyer that her husband has built. No, I'm in the uh, living room right now. Oh, so you're in the living room. Oh, there's the there Falcon. The Star Destroyer's <laughs> in the other room. Yeah. That's usually my background is, my, is the Star Destroyer. <laughs> So I have trained her on some nerdy things, just uh, haven't gotten into D&D with her yet as much. One day, one day. There's time. <laughs> She'll go uh, for the rogue. Oh, see, I'm a paladin in one game, but I'm a ranger in the other game. I haven't played rogue yet, but it's, you know, I've only played a couple games, so we're working on it. Uh, okay. See, Twin, I'm going to get D&D in on every episode we record of this. <laughs> <laughs> Our next she didn't prompt <laughs> us before, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't a setup. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for being on the podcast and uh, explaining to us how this whole new world is kind of working and how you guys made it work. And everybody, go watch it. It's If you don't like one piece, you're going to love another piece. Uh, so definitely watch it and then listen to the podcast and then rewatch it to be like, oh, that's how they did it. Uh, of course, I'm saying this at the end of the podcast, so who knows how it actually happened. But thank you so much, and keep doing it. And we want to see what you guys do next, because so far, two very interesting conversations with your guys' company about the different random weird things you do and how cool they are. Thank you so and much. Oh, yeah, innovative. <laughs> it's it's always you. a pleasure talking to you guys. Excellent. We'll see you guys uh, hopefully soon. Whatever your next project is. <laughs> we'll let you know. It'll be coming Excellent. up. Yay! Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more, visit our website at twinstocktheater.podbean.com and subscribe on iTunes or Google Play Music. You can also interact with us on Facebook or Instagram at twinstocktheater. Tato Music, Dance Macabre, is provided by Kevin McLeod of IncomTech.com under Creative Commons License 3.0.